Welcome to Take It to the Hood, Davis High's radio show. I'm Megan Bobrowski, and today we will hear stories about students with accents, various yoga studios in town, a preview about the upcoming track season, and the interview of the week. Davis High is filled with students with many different accents, however, you might not understand their background. At Davis High, there are around 1,700 students, and everyone stands out in their own way. For example, some students have accents. Junior Rustembek Sedney Yazov moved to Davis in August and takes pride in his origins. So, I got my accent from Uzbekistan. I was born there and I lived there, and I was learning Russian there, so my Russian is my second language, actually. Some students ask Sedney Yazov to teach them Russian, and he happily accepts. I had the Russian club here in our school, so I've been teaching people Russian. Sophomore Yulia Monastyska has a Ukrainian accent. She was born in Ukraine and moved to Davis when she was nine and started learning English. She feels fortunate for having an accent as part of her life because it represents where she came from. If anything, it's kind of a plus for me. I think personally because it kind of makes me different or has something special about me that not everyone else has. Junior Epek Medeliogu has a Turkish accent. I lived there for the first 12 years of my life. I moved here uh, beginning of seventh grade. Some students question her about where she is from and she's open about sharing. It sometimes was hard to communicate, at the, especially at the beginning uh, uh, when I was in seventh grade because it was people, hard for people to understand what I was saying. Sophomore Helen Wen has a Chinese accent and moved to Davis last summer. Unlike Monastyska, Wen's accent doesn't affect her life as much. Like sometimes if I say faster, they probably don't understand me. I would just say it again, but I don't really care. It doesn't affect me that much. For BlueDevilHub.com, this is CC Kanata. Yoga is a great way to de-stress and exercise at the same time. Listen to find out about two yoga studios in Davis. With the stresses that come along with school, yoga could be a great form of exercise and relaxation. Luckily for Davis High students, there are many yoga studios in Davis to choose from. Robert Boswell is the founder and owner of Barefoot Yoga Studio. The studio offers a variety of classes of a specific type of yoga called vinyasa, in which movement is coordinated with breath to flow from pose to pose. Boswell describes his studio as a community-based, heartfelt studio. Uh, offering yoga to the uh, typically un-yoga uh, stereotypes trying to expand the population to get yoga to many populations as opposed to the typical uh, population that is stereotyped often. DHS students have many options, from easy beginner classes to more difficult ones. You know, here at Barefoot, we uh, promote the idea that there's no uh, two similar bodies, no to similar practices in anyone. So we're all unique. So um, really the idea here is to offer a, a fellowship and make it a very broad thing. So almost any class you can come to. On the other end of the yoga spectrum is Bikram Yoga. Aaron Dunning is the owner, manager, and a teacher at Bikram Yoga Davis, 
Um, we were the first hot yoga studio in town. Um, we're the only Bikram yoga studio, so we're teaching the 26 set series, 26 postures, two breathing exercises. Dunning said that all the classes at Bikram Davis are for beginners. Most of their classes are 90 minutes, but on Sundays they offer an hour-long class, which she said is a good intro class. Dunning noted many health benefits to yoga, including feeling healthier and having better energy levels. I feel more rested with less sleep, um, more patient, just better mental health, um, you know, just like the stress of the day and being a parent and owning a business and able to deal with that. For BlueDevilHub.com, this is Laura Bach. DHS Track is coming up fast, starting on Monday, February 8th. Listen to hear about goals for the upcoming season. With track season quickly approaching, athletes are getting prepared for the upcoming season. Junior Nick Leacock sees preseason as a valuable tool. Uh, I think it helps build a really solid base for the rest of your season and really helps you stay injury-free because then your muscles are already used to the, to the hard work of the track season. Head coach Spencer Elliott believes that preseason will allow each individual athlete to fine-tune their skills to achieve the goals they have for themselves. I think it prepares different athletes in different ways. So for some of our returners who have lofty goals, it's about, you know, fine-tuning skills, whether it's, you know, mechanics in the pole vault. For the runners, it's about building a foundation to be really fast when the spinning rolls around. As for team goals, the DHS track team's goal remains the same. We want to um, win um, section championships. We want to win league championships. We want to qualify athletes for the state championships. Um, so those are the team goals. I mean, we also have other team goals such as, you know, we want to um, we want to get to know our teammates. We want to enjoy each other. We want to learn about the sport and and have a good time. The track team has suffered a minor setback from last year. Nevertheless, Junior Peter Zhu believes that the team will overcome this obstacle. We lost a lot of seniors last year, which are really crucial to the, the team, but a lot of incoming freshmen and a lot of people who continue to train within preseason and through the season, uh, are de we're definitely going to be a force in this, um, in this league, and I, I think we're going to win the league. I think we can go farther than that. From BooDoubleHub.com, this is Nathan Coe. Junior Jessica Block has enjoyed her musical adventures involving trumpet and singing. Listen to hear more about Block's passion for music. Junior Jessica Block plays the trumpet in the Davis High Symphonic Band and sings in the madrigals. Her musical life started when she tried playing piano. And I took piano lessons until fifth grade, like not in fifth grade, but up until fifth grade. And I took cello lessons in fourth grade, like through the school, like I started to learn to play cello, but I didn't really like it that much. So in fifth grade, I switched to trumpet through the school again, um, which I really enjoyed because it was loud and it wasn't squeaky. Block likes playing the trumpet for a number of reasons, which include the variety of music a trumpet can play. I like that we get to play the melody a lot, and I also like how it's a really versatile instrument. So like, if you play violin, it's you're going to be in an orchestra, usually, or you can fiddle, but like, there's not many other options. Whereas when you play trumpet, you can be in a jazz band, you can be in a symphonic style band, you can be in an orchestra, you can be in a brass quintet. 
you can be in a mariachi band, you can be in like anything really because it's just an instrument that's used in a lot of different places. Block thinks that singing is similar to trumpet in that way, but that there are also some big differences. I don't know, singing is nice because you don't have to think about like where you're putting your fingers or like whether you're going to come in on the right note because you know in your head what note's going to come out and you also know like I guess how to change notes. You don't need to like change your fingers to change notes. Block feels that playing the trumpet has opened up certain opportunities for her. I went to band camp um, at Casadera Music Camp when I was in eighth grade and I loved it and it was amazing and it really inspired me to keep playing trumpet. Um, if I hadn't been playing trumpet in the first place, I probably would not have had that experience and wouldn't have met all like the amazing professional players that I met at that camp. This is Block's second year auditioning for and getting into Capital Section, Northern California, and All-State Honor Bands. They're really great experiences, and when you do them, you get to work with really good conductors, and the music is usually more interesting as well. A lot of modern music, which we don't always play here at DHS. When thinking towards the future, Block does not think she will be a music major when she goes to college, but she plans to keep music in her life. So what I'm thinking is maybe I'll major in something else, like biology or linguistics maybe, but then do music on the side because I'll definitely want to be involved in either a vocal group or an um, instrumental ensemble in college. For BlueDevilHub.com, this is Cassie Archer. Stay tuned for the sports podcast. Take it to the hood. Take it to the Welcome to Take It to the Hub. How's it going in the Dirty 530, everybody? Great start. This I'm really is, pumped this, for today. This is Owen Yanker alongside Will Bodendorfer and Eaton Tuttle, and we're going to talk to you about some sports today. First thing that we're going to talk about is the men and women's break the record night that happened this past week at Davis Senior High School. Both, it was lit. Both teams, unfortunately, did not come away with mm-hmm. victories, but they were still close games. Yeah, and we'll start with the women's game because that's the first game that happened. That was uh, last two Saturdays ago, so not last Saturday, Saturday but the one before. Um, and the girls' team lost 56-52 to McClatchy. Um, so, you know, off the bat, you look at that as a loss. You know, it's not what they wanted, but they played one of their best games of the year by far. Absolutely. It was a, a huge It was a huge improvement over huge, their performance absolutely. against McClatchy last season, which I think they lost by almost 20 or more yeah, points. Um, and, and this was only a four-point loss. four-point game, and it was close the whole time. It wasn't like, you know, we came back in the fourth quarter. We had, we had the lead at some points. They had the lead. Um, you know, our team definitely played off the energy of the crowd, Absolutely. definitely helped it. Yeah. Um, but I really thought, you know, I would, you could make an argument this is the best game of the year because McClatch is that good of a team. Most and the fact that we match. were that close to beating them. Um, but I will say, McClatchy did a great job making free throws down the stretch. Absolutely. I really think that's what, and good teams do that. Um, but that really is what put them over the edge. Um, they, I think they maybe missed one, they were probably 9 for 10 or something in that range in the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. So that really sealed the game for them. Made it hard for us to come back. But uh, Kelsey Forster had a great game. Hit a couple uh, big threes right off the bat to kind of get the crowd into it. Um, but overall, definitely, I would say a success. You know, it was the first break the record night for the women's team. Right, and apart from the game, I mean, it was, I think there were over 450 people. Yeah, which in, did, which was a record. The cage I mean, at Davis High School, there was seating, you know, the standing room only, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I brought a folding chair because I wasn't sure, you right. know, if I was going to have room to. And you were at that game, Eden. What, what were your thoughts? 
Well, what a treat it's going to be in the future to watch the Texas Boys get taken back. Uh-huh. Yeah, only a sophomore. Two eight balls right yeah, it's, uh, this, uh, the uh, Davis High teams have a lot of underclassmen that are, you know, outperforming basically their grade level. So I think, you know, it's kind of a learning experience this year, you know, playing in a break record in a game like this. But I'm sure, you know, next year they'll be killing it. Absolutely. So now moving past the girls, let's talk about the guys' games. You, you covered that game for the Hub. Yeah, you can yes, check out that article on BlueLevelHub.com. But a uh, great ball game. I mean, we lost, which is not too good. But close ball game, 72-62 in a loss to, what was it, Elk Grove? Elk Grove, yeah. Bender and Hurt. Battled all the way through. You had the lead at halftime. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was uh, last time we played them at Elk Grove. Uh, first league game of the season, we lost by 20. Um, 80 to 60, we just, you know, straight up got outplayed. And this game, I think, I mean, it was definitely closer the whole game. They didn't really, I mean, they did win by 10, but I wouldn't say they really, they didn't have a 10-point lead the whole game. You yeah. know, it was, it was a close battle. And, you know, that's what you want. I mean, we, you know, you don't want to go out there and break the record night and lose by 20 and have the crowd not into it. I mean, we lost, but, and that's, you know, you never want to do that. But, uh, you know, I thought we played, we played well enough to the point that, I mean, we just had a couple of baskets didn't go our way. We had a couple of bad shifts, but we kind of gave them momentum. Mm -hmm. And we had a really bad second quarter, or third quarter, excuse me. Um, and I think that's really what put us in the hole. But, you know, I think it was still a fun experience. Definitely fun to play in front of all those people. I think it was a fun game for the fans to watch. So something I want to talk about while we're talking about the men's team is the loss of Ben Plessel. Yeah. He went out. Um, Partially torn last, PCL, I Last believe. week with a knee injury, right? Yeah. Um, no, that's definitely been a huge blow to the team. Um, you know, you're not going to blame a loss on, you know, the loss of a player. But Ben is that much of an impact player. Uh, where, you know, when you're losing these games, uh, we've had a couple of lost, you know, five, six, eight points, you know, he's that much of a difference maker that we can definitely make up that ground. Um, but I would say the main loss of him is having a guy um, that can just – is instant offense, basically. Ben, ben, you know, if you get him the ball open, he's going to make the three. Right. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a little hole there. I mean, Ryan, Glenn, and Kevin – Kevin Austin, Ryan Kreider, Glenn Wells, sorry, are three main scorers. Um, but sometimes they're on the floor together, and then when another shift comes in, you know, we don't have – you know, we have guys stepping up every once in a while, but it's not as consistent as it used to be when we had Ben Pressel because he's that consistent of a shooter. Right. So, obviously, Coach Gonzalez runs the system, so it's kind of hard to say that someone is replacing someone, you know, yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. But who is who is that person that needs to step the, up? I know Glenn, yeah. the, the game after Glenn scored 28 points. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's capable, but is it just Glenn, or is there another person in particular, or is it just the whole team that needs yeah. to step um, up? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a little bit more weight on Glenn and Ryan and Kevin's shoulders to carry the offense um, with Ben out, but I think... Uh, there's going to be a couple juniors that could probably, you know, are gonna, their name's going to be called, their number's going to be called a little bit more. Ryan Strong, great three-point shooter, almost dunked on break the record night. It came out of nowhere. Uh, we didn't even know. he. The team did not know he could dunk until probably a week ago. Wow. He just didn't practice. Now he's throwing down all the time. <laughs> um, so Ryan Strong, I would. Also has you know, great hair. Great hair. He's always adjusting it during the game. That's the story for another day. Um, ben Bergman, another junior that plays, again, this kind of 4-5 spot. Uh, same with Ryan, um, which is what Ben played. So, Basically, in the system, you have your four-man, your power forward is one of your better shooters, maybe your best. Ben, when he was out there, was obviously the best shooter on the floor. Um, so Ryan Strong, great three-point shooter. Ben Bergman, great three-point shooter. Um, I would say those are the two guys um, that I think are going to kind of try and fill in for Ben Plessel. So, Ethel, you've been watching the team. Who is your sleeper candidate to step up for Benjamin Plessel? Ooh, you know, I really like Greg Silver. Yeah, no, that was the name I was about plays to say. Hard. Plays Greg, hard. Greg plays a lot of heart and uh, – he had a big game. Uh, there was a Burbank game we had on a Saturday, uh, I believe, the day after break the record night. Is that a tournament game? It's just a tournament game, not a, not a league game by any means. Um, 
and I believe he had 15 or 18 points, and he was hitting shots all over the place. So Greg is another guy, again, that can hit from the outside, uh, that can get some offense going when they need it, um, and definitely a great, you know, energy guy, especially on the bench and just as a team player. Well, I got a question for you. What needs to happen to see this ball club in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're what one and one and seven, one and eight in the league, which is nowhere where you want to be. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's seven teams in the Delta League, and last year five teams made it to the playoffs. So um, we have a game against Sheldon tonight, or <coughs> a game against Sheldon Wednesday night. Excuse me, tomorrow night, um, and then Friday against Franklin. After Franklin, it goes Franklin. Uh, Monterey Tra- or Franklin Grant Monterey Trail, excuse me, that's wrong. Franklin Pleasant Grove Grant Monterey Trail. So obviously some tough matchups. Yeah. Four tough matchups before winnable games. Right. And so what, for us to make the playoffs, if there's any chance, and again at this point that's just you know prayers because we haven't been playing very well. If we play and we win those last four games, we end the season on a four-game win streak. Uh, that would possibly vault us into fifth place, and it would look good having won our last four games. Mm-hmm. So if there's any chance to make the playoffs. Momentum. Maybe upset Sheldon. I mean, that you know, Sheldon's a great team. They've been playing out of their minds recently. Um, but after that, looking past that game, four games, four winnable games. I mean, not easy wins by any means, but four games that we can win and we need to win if we have any chance to win. Right. So flipping over to the women's team, who are also trying to slide into the playoffs. <laughs> On I the outside looking in. I believe they currently sit in fifth or sixth in the eighth. Mm-hmm. I think they're eighth yeah. in the league. So, I mean, they've got tough matchups, too, coming up. I think they have the same schedule that the guys do, just – has a different uh, yeah St. Francis and Jesuit right so we should said that but um what do you think is going to happen there um I think the women's team is uh like we said they've had I mean they've had some underclassmen step up uh, they had a game against Monterey Trail that we won I believe by thirteen not too long ago um but I think they're going to have to play like they did in that McClatchy game mm-hmm. um and it's going to be tough without you know the break the record night atmosphere every game. But this is a good team. Um, they can definitely fight for that spot in, in this conference. Um, I don't think there's anybody in the conference that's head and shoulders ahead of them. You know, ahead of them. There's you know a couple good teams, but even you know St. Francis, um, you know, there's other teams that are in the top tier of this conference. There's a, a lot of not a lot of parity in this. Yeah. Con- you know, every the last team can beat the first team, and so on. You know what I mean? So I think they just have to play to the best of their abilities, and they can definitely make the playoffs. Right. All right. We're gonna move on from basketball. We're gonna talk about what's happening next Sunday. Oh yeah, over yeah. in Santa Clara, we got the Super Bowl. Yes, Bowl we 50. do. Big we time. We got the Denver Broncos, led Maybe. by led by ancient ancient Peyton Manning, and then we've got the young bloods and the Carolina Panthers, yeah. led by Cam Newton. So Maybe the first time in. A year, maybe even two, that a quality football game will be played at the Santa Clara Stadium. It could be, but there's also the chance that it might not be. So either. Oh. Are you throwing shade at Blaine Gabbert? I'm throwing shade at my own team, yes. It's been really? horrible. Anyway, I think it'll be nice to see the stadium filled for once. Oh. That'll be an interesting. I don't know what it's going to look like. So, Eden, tell me, what do you, what's your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Well, Carolina's been running over everyone this whole season. And Cam Newton's going to dab his way to the Super Bowl title. Okay. Obviously, the dance. <laughs> so, are you, do you think it'll be a close game? It will be close because Bro- the Broncos have a great defense, right? And I just don't think Peyton Manning is going to be able to step up because he has he's had his rough moments this year. I don't think he's going to overcome the high flying Panthers. Yeah, no. Um, I think it is international. You have the one and two defense in this game. Um, it's such a you know offensively centered league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I think I think this Panthers offense gets a little bit more credit than it deserves. Uh, their, their number one receiving option is Greg Olson, great tight end, but he is a tight end. 
outside of that, the receivers are nothing special. I mean, they've looked good because Cam Newton makes them look good. But I think this team starts with the run game, and then everything else kind of opens up, and it makes everything look good because they do have a great run game. But I think this Broncos D, I mean, we saw it against the Patriots. They are as good as advertised. So I think this Broncos D is going to be able to kind of shut down the Carolina run offense, and from there, Carolina's going to have to rely on the pass. I don't trust their receivers at all. I have zero confidence in Ted Ginn to catch anything, right. let he, alone he, a football. He has a few big, big drops every single game. Um, so I think, you know, there's a chance that that run game gets stopped. From there, Cam Newton has to kind of put it all on his shoulders. On, all on his shoulders. He is a great player, no doubt. He'll make some plays. But I don't think they'll be able to pass all over this Bronco offense. I think Peyton Manning has, you know, a game manager game. Doesn't do nothing insanely special. Plays, I think, better than he did in the New England game. Um, but doesn't turn it over kind of leads this Bronco offense, kind of dink and dunk, maybe some tight uh, passes to the tight end again, you know, right over the middle. Um, but I think the Broncos will win defensive battle 17-10. to 10. Okay. So I just want to go through it one more time again. I want you to tell me score who you who you think is going to win, and I want to hear your Super Bowl MVP. Ooh. All right, so I said Carolina. Mm-hmm. Carolina, uh, let's go 24-17. to 17. Okay. And Cam Newton. Okay. I'm going to go uh, Broncos, like I said, 17-10. to 10, And I think DeMarcus Ware Marcus comes oh, wow. up uh, first time in a long time, a defensive, defensive player. Guy, wow. um, but I think he was he was in, I mean, so impactful in that New England game. The way he dips his shoulders down. I feel like he, it, almost on every play he had pressure on Brady. So I think um, he'll get three, maybe four sacks, four fumble. Who knows? Maybe a defensive touchdown. But that's my MVP. All right. And I always throw a little wild card pick in here. I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I'm going to take Denver also. Um, 24 to 17, and my Super Bowl MVP is the Broncos tight end, like you mentioned, mm. Owen Dillon. Yeah, he had a great game in New England again. See if he can keep it going. Not for that. So we'll move on to the final segment. I believe we're going to play a game today. We are going to play a game. I'm going to throw some random sports and non-sports related topics at you, and I want to hear if you think they are underrated or overrated. Okay, here we go. So our first topic is going to be Levi's Stadium. Mm. I'm, I'm a big stadium guy. Yes, That's where you the are. Super Bowl is happening this year. It's kind of it's an interesting stadium. I'll throw this at you right now. They actually are working on making it the most environmentally friendly stadium in the world. That's always good, right? They actually grow grass on the roof of Levi Stadium. Wow. And some of the food that's served in the stadium is grown on the roof. So, Ethan, mm-hmm. Levi Stadium. Overrated, in my opinion. The candlestick will always hold a special place in my heart. And I just, I don't like it. Okay. It uh, looks like an eyesore to me. I agree, candlestick, you know, one of the best. But that stadium was breaking down. So I think it was time to build a new stadium. I will say, I've been to a game in Santa Clara. It's cool. Wi-Fi is awesome. The food tastes great. The field itself is horrible. The, you know, I mean, we've had so many problems right, with the, the, the soil turf. coming up and stuff. So, I mean, you're there to play football on the, to- on the soil. So the turf that isn't good, that's got to be your first stop. So I'm going to say overrated. Overrated. Okay. All right. Next topic. As Eaton mentioned, <laughs> Cam Newton dabbing. The dance. The dance. <laughs> um, I'm going to say overrated i think i think it looks cool and all but i think it's been overplayed yeah. uh we're seeing it a lot in sports now um so i'm gonna say overrated i have to agree with you will yesterday we had a pep rally here at the high school and after someone finished their speech for campaigns he dabbed and i just felt repulsed so overrated overrated next topic headbands in sports overrated I mean, it looks cool and everything, but it's not practical. The only person who should be wearing a, a headband is my grandfather and LeBron. Why? Because they both have receding hairlines. Wow. Um, I'm going to say underrated. If you look at the people that wear headbands, I'll just throw out some names here. Alan Iverson did it. LeBron does it. Carmelo does it. 
DeMarcus Cousins does it. Those are all top-tier NBA players. I think it gives you secret powers. I'm 50% sure, so underrated. All right, our, our last and final over-under topic, the California drought. Um, underrated? I don't know. Does that mean it's good or bad? Yeah, I'm, it's good. Well, I'm going to say overrated because uh, we've been getting a lot of rain recently. I think it's gone. It's actually raining uh, outside right now. It's raining outside right now, so I think we're in the clear. Go go buy some almonds. Go water your lawn. We're out of this drought. Buy some gas, too. It's actually under, Gas it's, is cheap. What does that have to do the with The drought water? is over. Eaten over or under. Just start what? spraying water everywhere. We're in, the, we're in the clear. Okay, let me give you a little lesson here. Underrated, first and foremost. Now, Will, when El Nino is coming in, and yes, it's raining, but it's hot rain. You know, like it, like me, it's hot rain, oh. and not a lot is collecting up in the Sierras, where those are our frozen reservoirs. That'll last us for a long time. So, in that regard, underrated. underrated. This drought is a serious thing, and for anyone who thinks otherwise, you're lying to yourself. You played yourself. All right. Well, that is gonna wrap it up today from our, uh, our short episode. Thank you for listening. If you want to email us. DHS at gmail.com. I've memorized it now. I've said it so many times. Please send us some emails. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Take it to the hood.